Hello, my name is Dr. Brian Thatcher, and welcome to this podcast of Mercy Unbound. Today, I get to speak with Kristen Taylor and Anita DeBias on their work with feeding the homeless in the Tampa Bay area. Can we really earn heaven? Why are Catholics so fixed on doing works of mercy? And where is that in the Bible? You're going to listen to Anita's story as a young orphan during World War II, where the Nazis took over their home and she was left to fend for food as a young child, going house to house begging for food. The great work the team of Thorne does in the Tampa Bay area, I think you'll really enjoy hearing about. And uh, I hope you really do enjoy today's show. It's an incredible story of being the hands and the feet and the heart of Jesus to a hurting world. Thank you for joining us, and I hope you enjoy the show. Hello, everyone. My name is Dr. Brian Thatcher, and welcome to Mercy Unbound. It's a series that aims to provide hope and avenue for healing, and one that will help you better understand and then live the great mercy of God. With me today, I have two local people, uh, longtime friends. Uh, our families have interacted uh, with Christians many ways, and uh, she and Anita Tobias are working together in a ministry of feeding the homeless. And I wanted to share their story today to help you understand that the message of divine mercy calls us to be merciful. And uh, the Lord did actually not ask St. Faustina to do deeds of mercy. He said, I demand from you deeds of mercy, which are to arise out of love for me. Uh, as I mentioned, I've known Kristen for many years. She has a beautiful singing ministry. And years ago, uh, we traveled to Samoa. She began involved work over there, doing works of mercy. I remember years ago seeing a picture of her holding a very severely deformed child. And I looked at that picture and I thought, well, I don't know if I could do that. This child is really deformed. And, uh, and yet for her, it was like she was holding Jesus Christ himself. And uh, she wanted to get her kids involved in understanding there's poor people all over the world. There are problems that we live in such a secluded, kind of privileged America. And, uh, but things fell through and she began to start feeding the homeless in the Tampa Bay area. And it's an incredible story, uh, as well as Anita's. Uh, her story is incredible as well. So stay tuned today. We have a great show. But Kristen, Tell us how you actually got started in feeding the homeless here in the Tampa Bay area. Well, the uh, the homeless ministry began kind of because the the Samoan ministry was um, was doing so well as far as you know we were going back and forth, back and forth, and I couldn't afford to take my twelve children with me to Samoa, so I was trying to come up with a way that I could show them what we were doing over there, like with the wheelchairs and all of that, and uh, visiting the sick. I was trying to figure out a way locally how I could do something like that. And um, it occurred to me when a friend of mine, uh, Kevin, who had been homeless, who had been healed of homelessness through praying the rosary. And he told me he knew where the homeless were. Why don't we feed the homeless? And so I said, that's a great idea. Because my, my children were, you know, when you have 12, doesn't matter if you have six balls, there just didn't seem to be enough balls in the house to go around. So they'd fight over the balls. And so I tried to come up with a way 
to show them that there are other people that really need things and that it's really up to us to answer the call to help provide it. And so on Thanksgiving of 1997, yeah, 97. Wow, 24 years ago or so. <laughs> I threw all 12 kids in the van and we went out looking for the homeless. And I began in Gibsonton and uh, the rest is really history. We started out just giving out Thanksgiving dinner. But then uh, my children didn't want to get out of the van. They would be like locking me out of the van because they were afraid. And so I opened up the back doors and I started giving out food and, and the guys were so touched, they started to cry. It was really emotional because it was Thanksgiving day and they realized that their bridges had been burned and they were so wet. It was one of those years that it was just, everyone was soaked. And so when my kids saw how emotional they were, like thankful and happy to see us, they all started jumping out of the van. And I immediately saw my kids, much to my dismay, <laughs> promising them that mommy would come back tomorrow <laughs> and bring this one shoes or that one uh, I could do first aid. And so we went from place to place throughout Tampa and we literally kind of found people under bridges, in doorways, underneath uh, dumpsters. And then when my kids promised them I'd come back the next day, um, I had to come back and bring the shoes and do the first aid. And that was the beginning of this, the funny way the Lord sort of hooks you into something. Um, it went from these guys being homeless people to Sonny and Lizzie needed this and Tucker needed that. And they had names and they had hearts and they were sweet little old people that had been homeless forever. And it was like, we had this one little, like little, sea captain and they were just so you look like santa and we i couldn't sleep and so we started making food and going out and then soon it people realized it was becoming way more than i could handle um and that's how they said well i'll help you and then people started coming in and it, it grew into what we have now which is huge we feed almost four or five hundred total a week and we only do it through Facebook Messenger. Uh, what do you wanna make? What do you wanna make? Um, and everybody's hearts are touched. We never have run out of food and we've done it for these 24 years. And all the people that have come in and out of it, it's really been by God's grace. And I can't take much credit for it other than I'm a very stubborn soul when it comes to doing things for the Lord. <laughs> and when he asks me to do something, I will just do it. I don't care if people say it won't happen. It can't happen. It's dangerous. It's, you know, you know, you know what I'm saying, Brian, you've been overseas, you know, how everyone tries to scare you, but you have to go with your heart. Kristen, you make a good point, though, about the local component versus places thousands of miles away as you said i've been blessed to travel to africa and south america and the philippines but there are so many needs locally and i think the spiritual growth helps open our eyes whether it be internationally or locally but we got a lot of problems here in this country and uh you're, you're meeting a, a local need now anita how did you get involved with Kristen? Well, how I got started, I, may I just share a little something about myself? 
I'm Anita Device. I'm 84 years old. I come, I'm a child of World War II. And what I went through war and the after effect is, but we had no food, clothing, we did without. And the Lord always had in my heart helping others. Even when I was a little girl, I wanted to help and see what I could do. I met my precious daughter here. I'm sorry. Um, and the way we got together, my husband at the time was, for, we were married 45 years and he was in the hospital and Kristen's neighbor, which came to my home to give IVs to, for my husband. Well, we started talking about uh, what could I do? Could I make a pot of soup? Can I make a cake? He said, yes, my neighbor who feeds the homeless. And of course, I come at Kristen's house at eight o'clock in the morning, you know. That... <laughs> Let me jump in real quick because the other side of that was when James, who was the nurse for her husband, came over. He was so sad one day. He lived across the street and he was um, divorced. And so he always liked to come over to eat. So he was sitting there, why are you so sad? And he said, I am so worried about my patient's wife. And I said, why? And he goes, well, when he passes away, she doesn't have family locally. Well, you know what the next line out of my mouth was, does she cook? <laughs> so, I was not really kidding, that kind of was. And so he goes, oh my gosh, she can cook. So I said, you must introduce me. So anyway, when we met, it was like this absolutely <laughs> in, instantaneous, like she right. needed a daughter, I needed a mother. Right. And the Lord knew both of those things. Yeah. And it was so beautiful. It was like, <laughs> we've known each other forever. Right. And it was just this You're natural, she became Mama Thorne. That's why everybody calls her Mama, because I call her Mama. So it just caught on. She's Mama. And, and I always am one of those people that you, when you have someone who is older than you, that the respect is I don't care if you're the founder or whatever, she's still mama. And so we have had kind of the main thing for Thorne always kind of runs through mama's house. Yeah. Because it gave her a life. Tell, how, tell yes. me how that works. Well, one time I drove down 301 and God told me to feed his sheep. And I understood basically feeding from the Bible meant the word. But I definitely knew it meant feeding people that you know, that I can give of myself. That's was the gift God given me is cooking and helping others, being a servant of the Lord. That's what I am, and, and she's very good at it. <laughs> Staples and all. Ask her about that. The stubborn woman. Tell them. Tell them. I, I had open heart surgery and I was at Brandon Hospital. And when I got home, well, it was a little bit more like a week or so after I had the surgery. I said, okay, I'll be out Sunday. You know, I'm coming, I'm doing. I did. Staples from surgery. Anita, you um, just kind of glossed over your childhood a little bit. And I don't think many people appreciate how bad it was. Can you yes. just share a little bit of your memories of your childhood and the Nazis yes, and the bombings and you went house yes. to house? And See, 
I'm a, I'm a simple I'm a simple person and I was born in 37 which really was one of the beginnings of World War II okay and my dad was in the military because after World War One, we didn't have enough work, the men didn't have enough jobs. So they went into the military. And that's where my dad went to. And we, there was four siblings. My mom had four children. And uh, when time got bad in 43s, what I remembered, 43, 44, times were really bad. And we were refugees in our own country. So we had to leave my hometown to go to another little town, which they provided with one little room, like, like 10 by 10, a, wife, a mother with four children. And my, my brothers lived in one house, my sisters lived in somebody else's home. So it was very hard. And yeah, and when, when as we, we had to leave, like I shared, World War II, we had to be refugees, we had to get home again. And uh, after the war, we had this little room when the occupation came in, well, they went over my mom's clean sheets. And she will always say, they came in and stepped on my bed and they stepped on the clean sheets. I mean, really. It's a good thing she could smile, that my mom could smile about it. And uh, so we made our way home again. After, World, after 45, we didn't have anything to eat. And uh, I went literally out begging for food. I had to travel by train to go to a farm, knocked on the door and asked, can you give me one potato or a slice of bread? And then I get the door slammed into my face. I didn't receive anything. And that was very sad for a little girl knocking, vacant for food. So I know what our men and women in our lines go through when they said, I haven't eaten in a couple of days. I, you know, it touches me. I'm, my son tells me my heart is as big as I am, but... Um, it touches me. I know. I know what it is to be cold. We had to go in the woods and get wood, and there was ice and snow. I've been through a lot as a child, and it did leave everlasting memory. I mean, this is like soldier going to war. We were just children going through the same things, and it is really sad when you think about it. One potato, just one little potato, because these farmers, they had gardens, they had acreage, and would not share. But God, God knows all these things. And he is the one who guided me to what I'm doing today. I'm, Kristen is my blessing. Thanks to her. The thorn in your side. Right. <laughs> the thorn in her side. You know what's interesting to me is that, yes, there's many trials, people all over the world, they're undergoing sufferings and trials that I could never probably cope with. But you see, some people through these 
episodes become bitter. Yeah. Oh, no. And you've allowed it to become better. Yes. Amen. Yes. That's what we have to do. We just keep it, charging. Also, I would put it on as older folks like me, put it in their hearts. If they sit at home on the couch and watching television, why not get up, come help us? We, you know, and we, 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 we don't ask for ages, anyone can come. And I think for, for the older people, it would be a good thing to, to get out. You mingle with people. I, my philosophy is saying, this is cheaper than going to a psychiatrist. It costs you $200. Come on out and mingle with people. Even if you can't do nothing, but talk to them, right. listen to them, because they need a touch of love more so sometimes than a plate of food. And, you know, I would stress that. Um, I mean, the young people, they need to learn also. Our young people need to know what it is standing in line. You know, when somebody says to me, oh, I've been standing here since eight o'clock this morning to get a plate of food by two o'clock. And we, and we do, we, we, like Kristen shared already, we never went without any food. We always have food, some kind of food when somebody knocks on our doors. To, to want something to eat and you know with, with that you know too we we've seen so many miraculous things I mean oh, even yes. down to one funny story um I'm not a comedian but it just these funny stories just pop into my brain anyway we I have this massive pot that I've used for years and years and years and years and it's my pot and someone stole my pot and so I was not a happy person without my pot so a few weeks later all of a sudden, this woman's coming across the street with what I thought was my pot. And I'm running, you found my pot. And she goes, excuse me? I mean, I didn't even know who she was. I go, my pot, my pot. She goes, no, no, I just bought this pot. She goes, I wanted you to have this pot. I said, you what? So not only was it a pot, my pot, it's like this big. It was a pot within a pot within a pot. He gave me three pots, not one pot. And it was the exact same pot. Then... We had this problem where one day we had so many hot dogs, no buns, yeah. and we had a bunch of baked potatoes and no butter. So I, I'm sitting there talking to these guys. Well, let's yeah. just open up the, the potato, cut up the hot dogs and stick them in, and that'll be good. It'll still taste good. As we're having this conversation, someone comes across the street. I think it was Lou. But anyway, someone comes across the street and says, I have a really strange donation, but by any chance, do you need any buns or butter? <laughs> Boom. And then another one was we had gotten a suit and tie and everything for this one guy that had an interview, I think, at the Sheraton or the Hilton downtown. And we forgot shoes. And it was, this is when we were feeding at night. Like we'd started at four and we ended at 10 or 11. So it was dark and we were under the convention center. And I'm sitting there thinking, oh, we forgot shoes. And we had all of these horrible sneakers. And we're thinking, what are we going to do? And we're all sitting there talking about it. And all of a sudden, this guy in this really fancy sports car pulls right up to where we were, rolls down his window, takes a pair of shoes and hangs it out the window and goes, I know this is weird, but does anybody need a pair of size nine men's dress shoes? Boom. 
right then that's what he needed and then the other one was david you know my husband is a clown i'm talking a clown and he was asked to pray over this man that had horrible what do you call it cataracts and you could see the i mean they were glossed over and he could barely see and he's like dave man pray over me pray over me and so david's oh okay sure so you know how when people pray over you they'll like put one hand on you and the other hands up to jesus right so David's praying, oh Lord, you know, heal him and please come and had all of us praying with him. The next week, the guy walks up and goes, hey, Dave, what's up with only praying over one eye? The one eye was completely clear and the other eye was still completely glossed over. So he was asking for a, a redo. So we pray over his other eye and just stories like this are the things that just really keep us moving. Uh, one of the greatest ones was one of our guys, now under the convention center, we'd have the biggest crowd. It was back in the day when there was like 200 in that line. And every so often they get feisty with each other, not really with us. And one's punched the other, who punched the other, boom, down on the concrete he went and the back of his head split open. And we we're like, oh, this is gonna shut us down because at that time, you know, kind of in the early days, the police did not like me much. They didn't like me at all. And they didn't want us gathering. So I thought, this is it. This is going to give him the excuse to shut us down for good. So he's laying on the concrete with blood coming out of his head. Mm -hmm. And our friend Nick takes his T-shirt and wraps it around his head, his thorn shirt that has like a picture of Jesus on it, wraps the thing around his head. And all of us just knelt there. We were praying like, and a friend of ours, Jolie, was praying out loud. She's like, Lord, please, this will shut us down. You've got to you know, intercede for us and heal him. Well, the police come, the ambulance comes and they're pushing us out of the way and they set him up and they take off the shirt, nothing. Not a speck of blood in his hair. There's blood on the ground and there's blood all over the image of Jesus on, on the face of Jesus on the shirt, but nothing in his hair. We call it the miracle on Ashley. But that's the kind of stuff that happens. But then that guy gets up and he's cussing and screaming ends up getting arrested anyway and taken to jail and I thought Lord you know you're going to heal his cut why didn't you heal his mouth too but you know the Lord did that for us not necessarily for him because you know we're there for everyone but Jesus is there for us so that we can be there for them and so in essence he's there for them too because they're not really open to like praying directly to Jesus they need us yeah. to be that vessel yeah. that can that tangible I'll hold your hands and you pray with me kind of person because they they're too busy looking down like they broke mommy's best china and they don't you know like they've done so much wrong that they just don't want to face you know a two-year-old doesn't think that mommy's going to forgive them when they break something that precious right well we think the same thing often with God that we've done so much that I can't look up to him I can't so that's where we come in as you know, the vessels for Jesus, we're the ones that look at him and say, look, buddy, I've been there. Well, you know, a lot of us don't have necessarily, we have sympathy more than empathy, but there are those of us that have been through a lot and can actually empathize with someone who has gone through a drug withdrawal or whatever. And so it gives them that little nudge that they need to believe that there is goodness and kindness out there. The food is simply the bait. Yeah, yeah. That's just the bait. You know, though, it's a two-way street, isn't it? And that um, certainly you're giving, but Anita, wouldn't you agree when you think back to perhaps after your husband died, what's my purpose? I've lost the love of my life. 
what am I going to do these last 25 years? And on and on our mind goes. And yet, wouldn't you agree that the saying is, uh, it is in giving that we receive? Hasn't this whole thing kind of changed your life as well? Yeah. A thing of it is like it says in the good book. If you feed someone, we feed him first. If he's hungry, he cannot always receive a blessing. So as we feed people, we are God's hands and feet. Be what we can do for someone. But like I experienced one time a man in the line that was under the perches. I gave him a plate of food. And as I gave him the food, he walked away from me, looked down. And something made me walk over to him. And the first thing I did, I gave this man a hug. I love people. I am a hugger. I am not afraid if they're clean, furry. I love everyone equally. And this man, as I gave him a hug, the tears were flowing and they were just crying. And he says to me, it's been 15 years that someone gave him a hug. And he said he rather had a hug, that human touch. That's what, what we are here for that we can do. And he, he was just so present. He was an older man. And I said that, you know, those are the things that touches me also. When I go home, I'm usually so tired, but it's a good tired because when I put my head down on my bed pillow, I know I did something for somebody else. I, you know, well, the greatest thing is her house her house now is like the center of activity yeah so i don't think there was even a two-week gap from when carl went to heaven that what? she didn't have a hand i mean a whole house full of people that became like her sons and daughters and this yeah. and that see the lord did that that's what he does like the greatest blessing from the ministry from our perspective are not only the love that we get back from the guys and the girls that we feed but the friendships that he's given yeah. us that are just treasures. I mean, we have the greatest loving people and we're able to, you know, connect yeah. with every church locally and different ministries and young kids that are in trouble. It, it's just a wonderful blessing to be able to serve the Lord. And then, yes, we do get a lot back in return. Yeah. Not financially. It's not yeah. a financial thing at all. <laughs> it's it's definitely not. <laughs> but it is. But but anyway, it's it's definitely love. And it's in the midst of all even the chaos that's going on around now, Brian, it's like in the midst of all of the COVID and everything, we had to decide, are we going back out? Yeah. Um, because everyone went in except the homeless. And so they were starving, literally. So we made the decision to just, okay, they, they are the lepers of this world and Jesus never ran from the lepers. So we went right back out and we've been back out ever since. But circling back to, I shouldn't even say that, but going back to what you said in the beginning with baby Jordan and Samoa, the reason that like what she was saying, like she can hug someone or I can hold someone that to our human eyes, it's a little shocking, right? The Lord gives you this grace to not see that, 
you you you're able to put yourself in their place mm -hmm. and like because i had a daughter with spina bifida and i had every opportunity to have surgery etc cetera, etc cetera, for my child when i saw this mother's baby i was looking more at the mother's eyes than i even was at baby jordan's eyes which he didn't have eyes but i mean his face and i was looking at the mother so broken hearted that no one no one would help her I couldn't leave there and just say, I'll pray for you. Yeah. You know how many times we do that? I'll pray for you and walk away. Brian, you and I both know that in the ministries that we have with bringing things overseas, you know that that help would never come. Somebody has to say, yeah. okay, Lord, I'll do the work. Okay, so this will manifest. You can't just say a wheelchair is gonna drop from heaven or food's gonna drop from the sky. However, the Lord has done that before. Like we had on, um, on 301 or I think it was Highway 41 here in town. We were going down the street with my own children. And, you know, they're, they were growing up and they're kind of like, hey, I don't want to go anymore, mom, whatever. But as we're driving down the street, we saw this couple and they kind of looked down, you know, when home, you can tell a homeless person because they are always looking down. They don't have a, a place to go. So they're not looking up. So, so I said, oh, they're homeless, let's stop, because we had some food. And all of a sudden we pull over and they turn around and they were so shocked because they didn't really necessarily look homeless. They looked like a young couple, but just to me, I could tell. So what they said is, I said, do you guys need any food? Or, and it was getting cold, do you need a sweater? And they're like, yes, yes. Well, all of a sudden they just started to cry and we're like, you know, what's wrong? And the boyfriend said, we just came out of the dumpster over there at, I don't know which restaurant was, but when we were trying to get food out of the dumpster, they kicked us out. And I, I was getting really angry. And my wife said, you just have to trust the Lord. You have to trust the Lord. And he's like, what do you, what do you think? Who's going to just drop out of the sky? And at that moment we pulled over. You see what I'm saying? I mean, it's not this, oh, the sky opened up and, and manna fell down from heaven like it can. But on that particular moment, the Holy Spirit told us, stop. And so what I'm asking people out there is to just, when they hear that voice that tells them to stop, don't second guess yourself, you know, be safe, do things that are, you know, that are safe, but really you have no idea if that's Jesus standing there just waiting to see if you're going to walk by. Chris, and I want to read a scripture passage and then follow that up with a question, if I could. Uh, James 2, 18 to 25, it says, someone may say, you have faith and I have good deeds. Show me this faith of yours without deeds. It is by deeds that I will show you my faith. You believe in the one God, that is credible enough, but even the demons have the same belief as they tremble with fear. Fool, would you not like to know that faith without deeds is useless? Was not Abraham our father justified by his deed because he offered his son Isaac on the altar? So you can see that his faith was working together with his deeds. His faith became perfect by what he did. In this, in this way, the scripture was fulfilled. Abraham put his faith in God, and this was considered as making him upright, and he received the name friend of God. So you see that it is by deeds and not only by believing that someone is justified. Now, Catholics get beat up a lot 
because people think that we're trying to earn our way to heaven. We could never earn our way to heaven. We're all sinners. You know me. I mean, gosh, we can never earn our way to heaven, but right. we can, again, live our faith through the works of mercy. So aren't the works of mercy so important because we've got to show others? If you look at this image, the rays are going out. Isn't that what you're doing? The rays right. of Jesus penetrating your heart and then both of you's heart. Isn't that what you're doing? Exactly. One of the most important things that we give people truly is when we smile at them. You yeah. have no idea the power of a smile because um, a lot of people don't even get acknowledged that they exist. Like people don't look at them yeah. anymore. Um, they just sort of walk by or they're looking at their phone or they're looking down. And there are people that are just so lonely. I remember Mother Teresa talking about that, saying that the greatest poverty was it's, loneliness yeah, and did. abandonment. Yeah. And it's true. And it's not only the homeless. You have shut-ins. You know, we've kind of expanded to shut-ins and single moms and a lot of the migrants that are or people that are migrating this way that don't speak a word of English and they're elderly and we have an amputee and it's, you know, his car is broken down. I mean, you just, the thing that I, I tell people is when, if you want to experience Jesus' love in your own life, give it away. Because it's like when you look at someone and you just look them right in the eye and you smile at them and you're just like, you know, oh, how are you today? They, they're shocked almost. And I can't tell you how many times people have said, when I'm on the drink trailer or whatever with Dave kidding around and they're like, gosh, that smile. And I don't even realize I am smiling, but I think it's what comes from you when you smile is I think the Holy Spirit just sort of sends a beacon out. And I think that's why they're so attracted to it. Um, and that's what you want to be because where there's light, there cannot be darkness. Right. It doesn't matter how mad they are, how what a bad day they've had. But when you hit them with the a real smile and you honestly care and you hug them, I mean, like Nita and I hug everybody. I mean, <laughs> squeeze, that's my thing. And, you know, and I always wear obnoxiously bright clothing and, you know, glitter on my fingers. And I say, go glitter or go home. Because my thing is the more light, you, you cannot have too much light. And I even had a friend the other day say to me that the Lord woke her up and said, you just need to go make someone smile today. And she's like, well, that's kind of a easy thing to do, but really start there, start there, look around. And when you're at doctor's offices and things like that anymore, stop looking at your phone. Look at the person next to you because that person may need you to save their life. I mean, they may just think no one, no one cares about me anymore. I'm alone. And you know, and all of a sudden you glance over and you say, you know, how are you today? And they're, they're literally shocked that someone said that. And that's a sad state of affairs. And so I'm like, I with my children, like if I take them anywhere, those phones go in the glove box. I'm like, we are going to live in the moment, kiddos. And I get them out of the house and I make them come out and hand. I said, let's go give out food. Like even aside from Sunday or Wednesday, I, I take my own kids and I put them in my, even if they're in my little convertible, I have this little convertible take food out because I want them to see that they can do this too. And it's the greatest uh, lesson for children that are like going through CCD. When you take that message and then you show them how to live it, 
right? See, that's what he's saying. Learn how to live the messages. Yeah. And through the works of mercy, that's the perfect way. You know? You've got two components to right. this, though. You've got the workers and the food being brought in. Sometimes you can always benefit with people donating financially to help buy others, you know, need to make a lot and buy the food. Uh, how do people reach you, uh, particularly in the Tampa Bay area, but how can they reach you if they want to help? Well, we have a volunteer coordinator. Uh, her name is Janie and her number is 813-205-0745. Yeah. So call if they want to come out and volunteer, uh, they can call and that way we don't have so many people volunteering that they don't have anything to do, but we like to weave them in. Right. And then they can call me, uh, 813-239-4259. Or if they would like to come and see Anita's place and see how things run, they can call Mama. They can and donate that's, canned goods. Yeah, they can donate canned goods or sodas or things like that for the lunches because we do dinners. You know, we do the big dinner buffet every Sunday, but we also put together 400 lunch bags. Okay. So anything that could go in those lunch bags, uh, let me give you Anita's number, 813-690-2262. And they can call any of those numbers. Okay. I want to just close with a episode that St. Faustina wrote in her diary. Uh, the nuns used to get upset with her because they were very poor. It was the 30s and uh, Poland was poor, like Germany. And she would bring these hungry homeless people in and find whatever. And one winter day, there was a homeless man at the gate, tattered clothing, freezing in Poland. And uh, she brought him into the kitchen and found an old potato and a crusty piece of bread, made a little broth. And she fed it to him. And then she's taking his plate and putting it over to the sink and turns around and the man was gone. But sitting in the chair was Jesus Christ himself. Wow. And Jesus told her that I have come down from heaven to taste the fruits of your mercy. So that's nice. what we're all called to be. Fruit, give the fruits of mercy, give the love of God. We need to be the hands, as you said, Anita, and the feet of Jesus to a hurting world. So people, we got a lot of work to do. Kristen and Anita, I want to thank you for joining me today on Mercy Unbound. People, this, this show is pre-taped, but it'll air right before Christmas. What appropriate timing to live and love the birth of Jesus. And let us continue to be the hands and the heart of Jesus to a hurting world. People, you can watch this show at drbryanthatcher.com. You can watch the video or listen to the podcast. Please subscribe and share it with all your social contacts. We've got to spread the truth. The truth will set us free. Thank you, everyone, and God bless. Love you, Brian. Still there? Thank you. That was, that was very good. That was Thank you. Thank you. I'm glad no one called. We only had a couple little blips. I'm like, whoop, whoop. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah. That was very good. Thanks, Brian. Keep up the good work over there in the front. Yeah, let, let us know and we'll uh, spread it. Like if, if we can send the link to people, we'll do that. I'll get you all the links and stuff.
So. All righty. And Brian, I'm sorry I get tongue-tied sometimes when I'm, you because did, I did, talk from here. You did great. You did great. Thank you. God was speaking through you and Kristen as always. And, uh, you know, one thing that emanated to me was your joy. Yeah. And for people out there so discouraged and wonder what their purpose is in life, um, you've got it. Yeah, we have we have a, we definitely have a lot of fun. I must say, we have more fun than we're supposed to. I think <laughs> at other people's expense sometimes, but it's still good. Well, thanks again. I'll let you know when it airs, and uh, just keep up the good work. Thanks, Brian. You too. All the best. God bless. I love you, Sue. Please subscribe to our YouTube channel for the video portion. The podcast can be heard at anchor.fm slash drbryan, B-R-Y-A-N, Thatcher, T-H-A-T-C-H-E-R, and on all the major podcast forums. I would love to speak at your church or conference, and please consider supporting our efforts to spread the truth to a hurting world. Thank you again. And for more information, go to the website at drbryanthatcher.com.